It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. It was fun this last week. Uh, we had, uh, it's like a film school uh, in town. It's called Motion University. And Hudson, uh, my 14-year-old, actually had the privilege of sitting in on it. Usually they don't have uh, younger students in there, but he was able to participate, uh, and it was just fantastic. And so uh, we're going to have a few of them in here this morning, so I expect uh, you guys to laugh extra loud. If I'm going to throw out that uh, marketing uh, ploy for you, uh, then... Uh, but uh, it was just a really special program, and I'm excited to see the results of it. And they were working on a... Uh, a video for Ellerslie this last week, which was another unique little twist to it. And boy, I saw some of the still shots, and they're just beautiful, just cinematic. And so I'm excited to see how that turns out. So that's something that everyone could be expecting about. Uh, so I'm going through a series, as uh, many of you know, that have been following the, the stream or the podcast, and uh, it's called Life Lessons. You know, I was pondering this morning as I was putting the finishing touches on this one that so many of these life lessons almost seem like they're the same life lesson. And it's, I think they're all connected. I guess if you were to say like a wheel with its different spokes, they all sort of are different extensions of the same thing. And if I was to put, it, put my finger on what it is, it's that God is in control. In every situation, you can trust God. It's faith. And so when you live the life of faith, it's like you get these different spokes that start coming out. And, you know, I'm calling them my life lessons. They're my life spokes. They're the things that have held this whole uh, thing together known as my Christian life. Uh, in, there's, there's certain people that will face trials and sufferings and their life will fall to pieces. And they'll lose their faith in the process. And what's interesting is I would say the greatest life lessons I've had is that when I've gone through trials and sufferings, it's actually, I've learned how to have those things draw me closer to Christ as opposed to fracture my relationship with Christ. And it's like, there's a life lesson right there. So how does that work? And that's sort of what I've been going through. If you want to break down these life lessons, it's a whole bunch of different tools for how life becomes stronger in and through difficulty as opposed to weaker. So uh, this is uh, a great title. I know you guys are going to be extremely fascinated uh, by this title, but The Principle of Manure. One of my other life lessons that I, I taught was called The Principle of No, which is very different than The Principle of Manure. But, uh, you know, this, it, doesn't it make sense? The Principle of, that, that a life lesson. So it's just uh, The Principle of Manure. Uh, manure, if I were to say, you know, are you a fan of manure? And it'd be an awkward thing to know how to respond to because it depends is what you'd have to say. Well, it depends. What do you mean by that, Eric? And if, if I said, well, how about manure as a fragrance, you know, that you sort of spritz on you, and you'd say, no, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, not the most pleasant smell. Ironically, my mom really likes the smell of manure because she grew up uh, on a dairy farm. And so for her, it's like reminiscent of home. But for most of us who didn't grow up on a dairy farm, it's not reminiscent of anything but, uh, well, Greeley is the way we would typically say it around here. Every now and then we get this waft from Greeley. I feel bad for Greeley that they get associated with that smell. But there'll be a waft. You walk outside, it's like, uh-oh, guys, uh, we smell Greeley. 
But, uh, so typically it's not a positive scent, okay? And so, however, if I said, no, not manure is fragrance, but manure is fertilizer. It's like, that's good stuff. That's expensive stuff, too. I mean, if you're planting a garden and just to bring in some manure, I mean, this is really good material for getting a good garden going, right? And so this is the principle of manure, something that could be deemed a terrible thing if looked at through the right lens becomes fertilizer. It becomes beneficial. It becomes valuable. It's like, this is good stuff. You can get excited. If someone comes up to your life and dumps manure on it, which, by the way, happens, okay? People will come up, and they'll, they'll dump manure. It's probably one of the best ways of describing it. It's just sort of a pleasant way of describing it, right, if, if you can call that pleasant. They'll come up and dump their stink, their stuff, on you. And, you know, they might even mean evil to you in the process. However, the way you receive that manure could be one of two ways. You could receive it and be like, oh, offended and upset and, you know, just have this pile. It's on your shoes. It's, you know, it's just sitting on your front porch. You're like, what is this? And you could yell at them and you could handle it completely wrong and it could destroy you. Their manure can harm you. Or you could learn the principle of manure. Thank you. Thank you. And immediately you're thinking, I could use this. This is a great opportunity. Thank you. If you have any more, please dump it right here. Most of us have never thought of saying that. However, that's the principle of manure. It is taking what the enemy may even mean for evil, what he is plotting and conspiring to destroy your life with, and leverage it. It's like a jujitsu ju- move. Where from, I don't, I'm not a jujitsu guy, right? But I know some people who are. And so the jiu-jitsu move is to leverage someone else's forward momentum and their weight, their height against them. So they come in like, and you, though you be smaller, take all of their forward momentum and leverage it and do a little flip type of thing. And they end up on their back and you're like, yeah, right? That's a jiu-jitsu move, okay? Now someone, someone who knows jiu-jitsu is like, that's not a jiu-jitsu move. However, hopefully none of you do know jiu-jitsu, so you're like, oh, he's very smart about jiu-jitsu. So the principle of manure, they gave us instruments. I almost called this they gave us instruments, but I thought the principle of manure would be a little more, uh, had a little more cachet value uh, to it. They gave us instruments. So this is a Richard Wormbrand story, and Richard Wormbrand has had a huge impact on my life and on Leslie's life, and I think probably one of the greatest aspects of influence that he's had is this exact thing, the principle of manure, that Everything that would happen to Richard Wormbrandt, he has turned it in his life into a rejoicing point. And to the point where most of us just stare back at him and we're like, are you serious? I mean, why are you smiling right now? You were in solitary confinement. You were tortured. You can't even walk. He can't even wear shoes because his feet are so bruised and, and broken. So he walks around without uh, shoes on. When he comes to speak, I remember the first time I ever saw him speak on a video, he walked up, he didn't have shoes on. I thought it was one of the weirdest things. He sits down because he couldn't stand on his feet, and he starts talking with such joy, such love. And he's, he's talking about these people that harmed him, and yet he loves them. And his depth of love for Jesus was overwhelming. I remember my first thought is, I want what this guy has. Yet what does he have? He has the ability to convert all of this evil that has surrounded his life. I mean, this man, if, any, if you were to think about two of the worst governmental regimes to ever be under, 
You would think of, I mean, they both happened at the same time. You'd think of uh, Hitler and Nazism, if you're a Jew, and guess what? The Wurmbrands were Jews. And you would say Stalin and the communist regime, especially under Stalin. It was so wicked, so bad. And so in Romania at the time, the Nazis came in first during World War II and took Romania. And so all the Jews in Romania were being persecuted. And they're Jews. And so Sabina Wormbrandt lost her family because of the Nazis. Then Stalin comes through at the end of World War II, sweeps through, and now communism takes over Romania. And, of course, that's when Richard and Sabina were both imprisoned. Think about what those guys went through. I mean, this is difficult, but they loved the Nazis. They loved the, the, uh, the communists. That's what they would say. They love them. These people need to know Jesus. I mean, who, who responds that way? And so when he finally gets out of uh, prison, and when, when someone gets out of prison after they've suffered for a while, you know, everyone sort of leans in like, so what was it like? And one of Richard's responses, I think, just staggers the church today. Even to just, I mean, it staggered the church then, but for us to even ponder it, listen to this. They gave us instruments, was his statement. That, wait a minute, wait a minute. The communists, the, the guards gave you instruments? Yes, they gave us instruments. And with those instruments, we praised the Lord. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I thought they tortured you. Oh, they did. But why would they give you instruments so that you could praise the Lord? Well, they gave us our chains. And with our chains, we would praise the Lord. So we thanked those guards for giving us instruments. Okay, you following me with the sort of the jaw drop type of thing? It's like, whoa. I mean, most of us, we have challenges in our life, okay? And very few of us turn those challenges, even in our thought life, into instruments with which we praise the Lord. But that's the principle of manure. Now, I have a life that has a, had a lot of manure in it. And I've had seasons of my life where I was under the manure, <laughs> buried under the manure, suffocating under the manure, and not rejoicing over the manure. I didn't see the value in it. In fact, when we first started in ministry, I know this sounds ignorant, but I actually thought people were going to be excited to hear what we had to say. They were going to come up to us and go, oh, thank you so much, and like want to hug us, and we'd have to hold off, you know. Uh, it's like, hey, you know, settle down. And it was going to be, everyone was just going to be so happy because we were doing what God was calling us to do, and we wanted to share the love of Jesus. And what we ran into was like a buzzsaw. We had no idea how intense the friction can be when you stand up for truth in a world that actually doesn't want to hear it. And before, you know, up to this point, I was just a normal person. You know, I walked around and I didn't get undue attention, you know, where it's like, there's Eric Ludy. In fact, it would always be like, oh, there's that one guy that smiles a lot, right? And it was pleasant. I could go into places people liked me. But then I became the guy, the guy that had problems, the guy that was making everyone miserable. And, you know, that's not the easiest thing to live with. And so people would dump their frustrations out on me because I was the guy. And so I would become a symbol uh, to people, and they would just hate me because I symbolized something to them. It's like, whoa, hey, I, I, I love you. What, what's the deal? This is, and I wasn't expecting that. It shocked me. And I went through such a difficult time in the first years of our ministry 
I wanted to give it up. I wanted out. I didn't want to have anything to do with this famous line that went through my head. I didn't sign up for this. Okay, by the way, I, I think as a principle, if I could have another life lesson, you did sign up for this. I should call one of these life lessons. You did sign up for this. When you come to Jesus Christ in covenant, you're saying, my body for yours. You're saying, my life for yours. Whatever you desire to do with my life, you can do. Whether that's living in plenty or in want, whether that's living in a prison cell or a free man, it makes no difference. Where he leads me, I will go. And if he wants me to hang on a cross naked before a mocking crowd, so be it if it's for his glory. I did sign up for this. <laughs> but in Ameri the American mindset has a repulsion. It's like we see it in scripture, but we say, oh, that was early church. They're the ones that suffered. They're the ones that had trials and tribulations. We shouldn't have to. We're like the evolved version of Christianity where we are impenetrable and we don't have any problems. We are immune to difficulty. Where do we get this from? And yet, it's just sort of there. And as a result, because the North American church really struggles with the principle of manure, we don't know the principle, we are suffocating under piles of it. And the church is a great place. If you hang out in the church for any length of time, you'll get a little manure on you. And, you know, you could either choose to rejoice over that or be buried underneath it. So, here's the principle. Every weight is an opportunity to exercise. So, instead of using manure, imagine that we talked about weights. And someone comes up and, you know, you're on your back deck sun tanning, you know, and you, you roll over and get a little side, maybe the back, and you turn over. And someone sticks a barbell on you. They come up and they're like, and they stick a barbell on you. And it can be a heavy one, too. And you're like, what? Hey, hey, what are you doing? And, I mean, you, it's a weight. It's a trial. It's a difficulty that, I mean, what, what did you do to deserve that? You may not have done anything other than just been loving and kind and joyful. And they stick a weight on you. That is an opportunity. I mean, just in your own backyard, right there, you have a built-in weight room. And if you just turn that barbell, you just start pushing it. Hey, do a few reps with it. You turn that and you exercise that weight and suddenly you become stronger through it as opposed to weaker. So many of us, we get these great gifts from people. I mean, manure, that's expensive stuff. Weights, have you ever gone out and just studied the value? Like if you go to one of those sports places and try and buy weight, they charge you per pound. Okay, this is expensive stuff. Someone is coming and giving you a weight. I mean, this is like a dream setup. I get, I'm getting this for free. Like, yeah, you get that for free. And, I mean, they, they're paying for it. They're giving it to you. What are you doing with it? Most of us complain about it. We grumble. We even try and throw it back at them and give it back to them. This is free. Free opportunity to grow stronger, okay? The principle of manure. When you receive a pile of manure, rejoice. This is the opportunity to actually bring greater growth out of your life. This is fertilizer. So the principle of manure is actually all that happens in your life, the difficulties, the joys, whatever it is, you till it. You till it into your life, into your soul, and you grow stronger from it. That means, if you catch the vision for this, this life lesson basically says, there is nothing you could ever go through that doesn't make you stronger. There is nothing you ever go through that doesn't actually turn to good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Nothing. There is no exception to that rule. 
That means you can smile in every circumstance. You can rejoice always. You can give thanks in all things. Because God turns all these things for good if you will allow him to. They gave us instruments. They gave us manure. Remember Jericho. Jericho is, you know, it's a bad place. And they were doing bad things in Jericho. And yet Jericho is sort of a first signal in the land of promise. It's the first, the first triumph, the first stronghold that is overcome. And so you have this evil place, and God makes an interesting statement in Jericho. And he says, look, all the precious stuff in here, all the gold, the silver, the, the jewels, this, this belongs to me. Don't touch it. And so we see this, this place that was used for the glory of the enemy, this place of darkness, that God has a design to convert it. It's, it's a weird thought, but that the temple of God would have been built out of the gold, the silver. This would have gone straight into God's treasury. This is the raw materials for building the temple of God. Isn't that just an amazing statement? This is, but that's Jericho gold. Mm -hmm, it's God's now. But that's Jericho silver. Mm -hmm. It's God's now. In other words, that which was used for evil, God leverages it for his ends. So just remember Jericho. Evil place. It's under judgment. And God says, I want that. God doesn't condone evil. When someone is dumping manure on you, it's not like he's encouraging them to do it. However, in your response to it, you can see that even what the enemy is conspiring to destroy you with, if you respond properly to it with faith the way that God intends, he will use it against the enemy. He will use it for your strengthening. It's amazing. So this is, uh, I just read this the other day in another one. That's why it seems like all my life lessons are basically the same life lesson. But if you were uh, here at the beginning, I was talking about, they all have a center of like a, a, a tire, like they have spokes. They're all, life lessons are like my spokes that are coming off from the center of this wheel. And that wheel at the center is faith in Jesus Christ. If I truly believe that God is who he says he is, if I truly believe what he says in his word, then this is true. Wait a minute, this is true. This is true, this is true, this is true. And then suddenly it's like my life begins to move forward with strength as opposed to you know, being the one with the wheel popped off, the, you know, the carriage on the side of the road that's like trying to flag down someone to help. Wait a minute, this is how it moves forward with gusto and strength. So Joseph has gone through the difficulty. He's had some serious manure thrown on his life. And so one of the greatest principal manure scriptures, if not the greatest, is this one. Of course, Romans 8, 28 ranks up there too, uh, which is the next scripture that's going to pop up, just because they're the classics. However, I want you to listen to this in light of everything I'm saying. It's, they gave us instruments. In other words, Joseph is going through a difficulty, and it's very possible that Joseph responded to being sold into slavery, being thrown into Potiphar's prison the same way we might have. Okay? Maybe he didn't start out with the best attitude towards it. It's possible. We don't know. It seems like Joseph always makes perfect decisions. You ever notice that in, in the flow? It's like, huh, boy, he sure is handling this a lot better than, than I have. However, it's an inspiration to how we respond. And so as a result, though it may have been challenging for him, the, the scriptures don't focus on his negative response. It actually focuses on 
his end response. And you see that. In some characters in Scripture, it focuses on their end response and not necessarily the process that they went through in coming to that. And so oftentimes we think these characters are perfect, when in actuality they're probably a lot like us, where they had to work and labor through these things. I would love it if God were to tell my story if he were just to say, and Eric rejoiced in all things. It's like, thank you, God, for that take. I'm glad you're not mentioning all this. Because there have been a lot of things where I didn't do that. And I complained about the manure. And yet that's how the life lesson is formed. Because when you complain about manure, I mean, manure gets heavy. It's very, very difficult in your life. And it petrifies in your life. And it becomes like this hardened, resentful, bitter thing. And it, it can destroy you. However, if you rejoice it tills it in and it brings forth great growth of fruits of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph says to his brothers, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. So what you see is though it's evil that is coming, it's interesting because in, the, in Josephus' account of the story of Joseph being sold into slavery, he is sold for, if you want to say it this way, pieces of silver by one of the brothers, we know him as Judah. But you know what Josephus would call him? Judas. Isn't that just extraordinary? It's like a Christophany, boom, off the pages of scripture. He is betrayed or sold for pieces of silver by Judas in the Old Testament. I mean, that's a, it's a picture of the Christ. I mean, it's amazing. And so what we have is, though it was thought evil, well, it's thought evil against Jesus too. It says Satan entered into Judas. And he goes to the, the chief priest and betrays him for 30 pieces of silver. I mean, yeah, this is evil. It's being perpetrated against. But God is leveraging all that the, that the devil is attempting to do. And he's got, I've got him right where I want him. The question is, which position are you in? Do you, it's like, oh, the devil is getting away with all this stuff. The devil's not getting away with anything when you are marked by faith. When you're marked by faith, everything that is possibly ha- could possibly happen to you is being leveraged by God for good if you would allow it to be. So, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. I mean, that's the cross right there in a nutshell. But It's not just the story of Joseph, but it's not just the story of the cross. This is the story of all of our lives when we understand the principle of manure, when we awaken to the fact that though we're thrown into prison and though we're persecuted, tortured, we can't even walk with shoes on for the rest of our life, we can look back and say, oh, it's so amazing. They gave us instruments. Well, who's going to come out of 10 years of torture and have that as the reflection? A Christian. A Christian will. You see, there is nothing. A Christian is like a Cheerio in milk. You ever seen it? The unsinkable taste of Cheerios. Not a lot of sugar to weigh those O's. Cheerios. So they're sitting in the milk. <laughs> and you press down a Cheerio. And they're called unsinkable. Bloop. They go immediately to the surface. What? And you press it down again. Bloop. What? Push it down. Bloop. That's a Christian. We're unsinkable. Cheerios. That is precisely. Could you imagine how frustrating that would be for the devil? His entire desire is to sink us. But we are designed with the joy of the Lord inside of us, which is like a buoying factor. And no matter how the devil pushes down, Bloop, they gave us instruments. It's like Pollyanna must have driven all those people in that little village crazy, right? It's like, why is she so happy? And yet what she has is a turn in her mental, it's like a mental flip of every situation. 
And it's just like, but this is a negative Pollyanna. Bloop. Not for me. I'm a Christian. God turns it all for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I mean, that's like thrilling when you catch it. All right, one of the most well-known scriptures uh, that we all memorize when we're growing up, and yet I don't know how many of us actually get it. Do we understand how significant this is in our life and that it could actually change our entire disposition? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, remember this previous scripture, it says, but God meant it unto good. Evil could be perpetrated against you, but God meant it unto good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. That is, in my understanding, in in the way that I would teach sovereignty, because sovereignty can lead people in funny directions. When you get on that word, people are like, sovereign. Finally, Eric's teaching sovereignty. I do teach it all the time, right there. God directs things. God will convert all things. That's an incredible factor. I, I was giving someone the illustration of, you know, when, when we function in life and we submit our life to God, then it can look like we're in a really bad pinch. And so we're like playing this chess game. And the, uh, the, we're playing against this chess master. And this, all the circumstances in our life are like this world-famous chess master. And they are conspiring to destroy us. I mean, the enemy wants to not just knock us out of the game. He wants to devour us. He wants us to experience great pain. And so he's after us, right? I mean, he wants to destroy us. So he's like, ha ha. Now, what we're concerned about is our making a bad move because we're playing a master chess uh, player. So it's like, ha And then we move our, our pawn and then the, the evil one goes, ha ha. And then we look at it and we're like, oh no, I just exposed my queen. Here's the key. In every situation, even though we make a dumb move, we say, God, I don't know why I'm the one playing the game. Here, you sit down. I want you to take my board, my circumstances, and I want you to beat that master chess player. And I don't know how he does it, but in, in one move, he'll go, and the master chess player turns white. He's like, oh, how do you do that? And that, we get, I mean, it's our, it's our board, right? This is like, our, we're responsible for it, but God, I need your help here. And he could take everything. The enemy's like, ha, ha, ha. And then we're like, God, I need you to turn that. He's like, ha, ha, ha. And then it's like, checkmate. You see, this is how we have a confidence that God can turn every situation, even the most impossible of circumstances, into a grand picture of his triumph. So the cross is the great converter. And I wish I had a better metaphor for this, but like something can go into the cross, evil can go into the cross and it comes out the other side. It's like, and it comes out the other side. It's like, whoa. How did that happen? God converts everything at the cross into something completely different. So you have all sorts of things. Judgments, you have wrath, you have evil. It's being poured out. I mean, this is a curse. The whole symbol of the cross is a curse. And yet, we look at it and people wear it around their neck. It's like, what is that? It's a symbol of execution. Yet, for us, it's a symbol of redemption. Isn't that interesting that something so negative comes to that cross and comes out the other side as something so positive. How did that happen? That's not supposed to be a positive. That's manure. A cross is manure. It's chains. It's everything bad. It's Jericho. It's, it's wrong. This is the judgment of God. And yet out of that comes forth the sweetest songs. Our greatest worship songs are right there. Look at what he did for us. 
Now, I have to admit, in the, in, when we're in a, a worship song, there's, there's different moments where you'll, you'll notice that all of us will sing louder. We're, in every hymn, it's always like that he dies on the cross, and we're like, yes. And then he's buried, and then he rises again. It'll be a crescendo. Then he's coming again, and it gets even louder. However, this is what comes out of the cross. What comes out of the cross is an empty tomb. What comes out of the cross is an ascended, seated, glorified Christ. What comes out of that cross is he's coming again for us. He has purchased for himself a bride with his blood, and he is coming again. Yeah! That all comes out of that? That manure? How does that happen? It's God. He's really good at it. So you enter in with your waist, and out comes something spectacular. When you come to the cross, you got a bunch of junk, right? And what comes out the other side? Whoa, 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 whoa. You have something that is unrighteous that comes out the other side clothed in righteousness. That's you. And yet, what did, what did you do? You accepted his work. I mean, it's just an extraordinary thing, but it's a converter. And that's actually what we call it. We call it conversion. Isn't that funny? Well, that's, that's what it is. It's taking... The enemy's junk, what he has sought to destroy you with, and bringing it to God. And then out the other side comes a Christian. Comes someone who's redeemed. Someone who's clothed in the righteousness of God. Someone who is sanctified. I mean, how, does that, how did that all happen? Well, God's really good at this stuff. Death becomes life at the cross. Dirty becomes cleaned. Indebtedness becomes debt cleared. Lost becomes found. Sinful becomes righteous. Selfish becomes loving. Jacob becomes Israel. That's the heel grabber, suddenly the God grabber. It's like, it's a complete shift. Instead of trying to do it in your own strength, now you're doing it in God's strength. Chains become instruments. Slavery becomes the means of deliverance. Manure becomes fertilizer. So here's a little twist at the end of this. God is a converter. He is. And did you know that then he sends us out into all the world to, in a sense, be a converter? Now, he's a capital C converter. We're a lowercase c. We actually can't convert a life. But he chooses to use us in the process. And how does that work? Well, when something comes against us, how we respond to it has a great impact on other people. In other words, when someone comes to us and dumps manure on our front porch... Actually, how we respond to that can actually have a huge impact on them. It's not just a big impact on us, but it's a big impact on them. So when people throw lies, accusations, unfairness, injustice, venom, spite, hatred, selfishness, contempt, and a thousand other various other forms of manure onto your life, what do you do? You see, when you respond as Jesus, it actually has the power to work in their life. I, there's a scene, there, there's a, a, a script that was written, I don't know if you guys ever saw Tortured for Christ, the movie, but uh, I was very fascinated with Tortured for Christ because of the impact Richard and Sabina have had on my life, but there's the uh, John Groders uh, who directed that also has a movie called uh, Richard and Sabina, and so he asked if I would read the script for it, I was like, yes, I will, and did I pass that to you guys, have you, have you had a chance to read that yet? Oh boy, you see, if you, wouldn't this have been a great moment? He's like, yes, I have. Uh, instead, he's like, no, I haven't. <clears throat> but it is so good. 
and there's a, there's a couple scenes in it that are so rich in regards to this concept. Because Sabina herself, and Richard and Sabina are both this way, where it's like you throw insults at them and what comes back is just so different than how we oftentimes function. It's like we'll be stunned. Like someone throws an insult at us, we're just sort of paralyzed for a while. We're like, oh, what do I do? We may not punch them, but we're like, and we're we're just stunned because how could people treat us that way? They were so used to being treated that way. And they would just go, they would go to their neighbors. They wanted to share Jesus. This is one of the most dangerous places on earth. In communist, actually, it was under the Nazis in this one. And to be able to, to aggressively be sharing the gospel in this situation as Jews and to be in the open, I mean, everything they were doing was just dangerous, dangerous stuff. And they had this one neighbor that just hated them. And every day they would just go up and offer, like, you know, bread, and offer cookies. And, and this person would, like, slam the door in their face. They'd come back. And they would just say things like, I just, you know, I just want you to know that we love you and if there's anything we can do for you. They just kept pursuing. I mean, it's such a profound scene because one day this person just finally melts and lets them in and gives his life to Christ. And yet he's the, this hardened, I mean, it's an impossible nut to crack. At the beginning of the, the story, you're like, no way. But why, why do they keep going after him? That's what you're thinking in the story. It's like, he's not going to give his life to Christ. What are they doing? They're only setting themselves up for, for harm. He's going to turn them in. Instead, this man melts before the love of Jesus Christ. And so, in a sense, Richard and Sabina were converters. They simply were flow-through channels. They are hit with accusation. They are fit with mockery. They are hit with mockery. They are hit with revilement. And they give back love. They give back gentleness. And as a result, it melts this man. It's like, I want to be a converter like that. I want, and so as a result, when you begin to see that, now when someone starts throwing stuff at you, you're like, huh, I can actually convert that. And I can give them love. I can give them mercy. I can give them hope. We have an opportunity to greatly impact the world, but we have to understand the principle of manure. The principle of manure is like really good. It's a very, very significant thing, but it's backwards from our normal thinking. It's backwards from our normal living, which is why we need to freshly go to the cross and allow God to take our thinking and convert it so that we can appropriate even something like a cross. When he says, pick up your cross, follow me. A cross? Why would I pick up a cross? Isn't it funny when we hear that, we usually think, "Mm, that's good, I should pick up my cross. Pick up your execution device, pick up your manure and follow me. Get chains on your wrists and come and let's praise God. It's like, you don't do that. This is backwards from our thinking. Jesus says, no, it's not backwards from my thinking. Let's get you uh, thinking the way I think so that we can see all that the enemy means for evil converted and turned to good. Father, I ask that you would settle this truth in our soul and that you would pat it down like a newly potted plant, and that you would water it, and that you would establish its root system in our soul, that we would be not just able to think this way, but empowered to think this way, to live this way. Lord, I pray that you would increase this in each of us, and that though we don't desire to invite difficulty into our life, that we would not be afraid of it, that we would not be afraid of weights, but that we would immediately begin to exercise, that we would not be afraid of manure, but that we would immediately begin to till it, that we would be grateful and thankful in our soul 
for every challenge we face, for every challenge is only growing us stronger and closer to you. Lord, we love you, we submit to you with grand expectations of what you desire to do in our lives and in this earth. It's in the precious name we pray, amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.